All right, guys.、Uh, welcome back to another episode of、uh, 100 Books a Year with Kevin.、Um, today, I know I've been teasing this for a long time. We're gonna touch on、uh, Ray Dalio's、uh, "The Principles for、uh, Changing World Order" book. However,、um, <laughs> Howard Marks just released a memo.、Um, I haven't talked about、um, Howard Marks' memo for the last couple months. I think he released one. I think two months ago, if I recall, and、uh, that one was a little bit、uh, repetitive to what he said before. So I didn't cover that one on the podcast. But his latest one, the one uh, uh, just came out like the second week of January. That one I really liked, and then I listening. I, I was listening to it for I think three four times before I left. I let it go, and then. Um, I just、uh, read the、uh, paper version of it、uh, just barely, so we do have some good points to cover, and then we should be able to cover that in like one episode. So,、um, the topic of this Howard Marks memo is called selling out, because Howard has been writing these memos for the last forty years or so, and then he never really dedicate a particular memo on selling, right? When to sell, or how should we sell our financial assets, or Um, investment. So, I think this is a very, very good, probably one of the Hall of Fame level memo that he ever wrote in his lifetime for the past forty years. So I'm really, really, really excited to break it down for you guys and talk about it. Right. So, let's dive into it. Right. So, um, on in terms of selling, what we always know is buy low and sell high. Right. That that's that's. That's very very well known, and then it's not very good slash logical advice because to what context is low, right? How do you know it's low enough? How do you know it's not gonna go even lower, right? So we need to develop like another framework to 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 like talk about this, and then Howard actually wrote in a memo in twenty fifteen called like liquidity, and he actually addressed this a few years ago. So here's kind of what he. Summarize. In that memo, was he concluded that the reason that、uh, most investor don't outperform the market, there are two reasons, right? One is most investor trade too much and to their own detriment, and B, the solution for you、uh, for illiquidity is to build portfolio for a long term that don't rely on liquidity for success, right? So. In a sense, we need to look at is why are we trading so much? Right? Why are we being、uh, being active investors or trader? And what is the reasoning behind selling? And really, if you're selling for liquidity, maybe you you you've invested too much. Con- and continue on, right? If you subscribe to you know Warren Buffett's investment philosophy, right, Charlie Munger,、uh, Howard Marks, you will be identified with the long term holding, right, or in the、uh, millennials term, right, you will you are sub you are subscribing to the hold all camp, right, hold on for dear life, right, forever. Um, that's that's great, right, but even then you still have. Some decisions for selling that you have to make, and it's really really hard to hold for a long time. 
And in the uh, memo, it talks about an example I want to touch on with you guys, uh, Amazon, right? So everybody wishes now that they bought Amazon at $5 on their first day of IPOing back in 1998, right? Since right now, uh, Amazon is around 3300 So that is uh, 660 times, <laughs> right, of the revenue, right? It's a 660 bagger, if you will. Um, and the problem is people can make that generalization pretty quickly, but who would have continued to hold it when the stock was down to 85? What, sorry, when the stock hit $85 in, 19, in 1999, 17 times more than the IPO price in two years, who would continue to hold on to it when the stock hit $6 falling 93% in 2001, right? And who wouldn't have sold by late 2015 when it hit $600? Uh, that's a full 100 times more than the low of 2001, right? So the whole point is, is, is that we tend to get short-term focus when we're investing and then we tend to miss out on the biggest gain in the market. That's kind of like the gist that I'm reading from Howard's memo. Um, you want to have as much time as possible in the market. You're not trying to uh, trying to uh, sell or buy stuff based on market timing, but you're always trying to make sure that your capital stays in the market for longer, the better. And in reality, Howard also said that the reason that we uh, typically sell our investment is very, very simple. It's because they're up or because they're down. So selling when it's up really can be categorized into profit selling, right? Or, or like profit taking because you have some asset and then they have appreciated in value and then you want to sell them to lock in that value. In, sh in short, there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's a short-term game. And they're afraid that the profit will go away. But the thing is, is they're probably missing out on the opportunity of the even going higher in the future. So that is okay, according to Howard Books, to uh, Howard's book, when you're an amateur investor, when you're um, like all of us, right? When you're investing um, not as your full-time uh, full job, but... For a professional investor who reports a big winner to clients one quarter and then had to explain why their uh, holding is below cost uh, to the next, it's kind of irrational, right? It's kind of like not very rational. So there's nothing wrong with putting the gain in the books, but the thing is, is unrealized gain is something that we're not taking into account. So even though then like a lot of people do that like you know a book can win if you will but the thing is is we are kind of like we're typically making a mistake to view realized gain as less transient as unrealized ones right uh, assuming that this company will continue to do well and secondly selling because it's down it's even worse um some people might argue, yeah, you know, like um, I, I, I will probably uh, uh, book a loss. It's good for my taxes, right? Yeah, but like that has nothing to do with selling 
for the um, actual investment, right? There's some uh, outside reasoning for that. And the thing with selling when it's down is people are actually afraid of surrendering gains. And many investors worry that their, loss, their, 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 their losses will like, compound. And the thing is, is they use an example in this chapter. It's actually really, really fun, right? They talk about like a general investor, right? Who bought into a stock at one at $100 and then it went to 120. He felt pretty good about uh, himself. So he, so he added more money and then it went into 150 and then he doubled down and then it went down to 80. And he's like, yeah, this is probably fine. It's a short term thing. And then it went down to 20. And he's like, oh crap, this is going to zero, I'm out, right? So like, they still at the absolute bottom. That's just a common investing psyche. And a study has shown that average mutual fund investor perform worse than average mutual fund. Let me repeat that. Study have shown that the average mutual fund investor perform worse than average mutual fund. What does it mean? Because from... Like theoretically, they should be the same. If, uh, let's say the mutual fund is doing some transaction, let's say they they were doing four transaction and and then they book a win or they book a loss that year. As a fund holder, they shouldn't be that much worse, right? So, in reality, what has been happening is, on average, mutual fund investors tend to sell funds with the worst recent performance and then miss out on their potential recoveries in order to chase the fund and have the best performance, right? So whenever an average fund investor say, oh crap, an ABC fund is down 10%, let me sell that and let me buy um, fund XYZ because they, uh, they just gained 5% this year. That is what we're talking about. And... This is what they call a trend following model or a trend investing model. And the problem with this is, again, you miss out on the recovery period of that, right? So superior investing consists largely of taking advantage of mistakes made by others. So whenever those traders, right, when they sell low and, and then buy high, they give, they, they produce alpha, quote unquote, gains for others to gain whenever that they're doing a rapid transaction. So we talk about selling when it's up when we talk about selling when it's down. When should investors sell, right? If if we're not trying to sell when they're high, when they're, when we're not trying to sell when they're low, when should we sell, right? Should we just uh, hold on until we die, right? And then we have to sell anyway, right? So what is the decision framework here? It's actually a little bit more complex than a regular buy or sell statement. So here is kind of the breakdown of this, right? We should not sell based on market timing. We should have perceived with a selling decision only when we have hard-headed financial analysis, rigorous and discipline. Because a good selling decision is like, it has nothing to do with fear of making mistakes or experiencing regret or looking bad, right? Those are just outside psyche. And according to um, uh, Benjamin Graham and David D. Dodd, uh, their book, 
which was a study by Warren Buffett called Security Analysis. They put in the, in the 1970s, it said, I have never forgotten this description of investing. It is a discipline of relative selection. Let's re, let me repeat that. The, the uh, description for investing should be the discipline of relative selection. So what that means is there should only be, like there should not be only one variable in your decision. There should be more than one variable, right? So here is what Howard Marks believe there should be these two variables in your decision, right? So first of all, if your investment thesis seem less valid than it did previously, and slash or the probability that it will prove accurate as a has declined. Selling some or all of the holding is probably appropriate. So when you have some research done before you bought into the company, when that projection changed, right, either through some unforeseen circumstances or geopolitical uh, differentiation, then we should be considering selling them, right? A second variable, likewise, if another investment comes along, appears to have more promise to offer a superior risk-adjusted perspective return, then it is reasonable to reduce or eliminate existing holdings to make room for it, right? So this is like if I have a better way of putting my money, I will try to sell uh, my currently existing investment and then join that set of things, make room for the other one. So as you see, there's at least three, two or three parts in that decision. And selling an asset is a decision that must not be considered in isolation. This is a very, very important point. We kind of argue that we should not make it through market timing and then we should not just based on one decision for selling. And also, I love this quote from Charlie Munger, Charlie Munger in this uh, memo. So Charlie points out that selling for market timing purposes actually give an investor two ways of being wrong. The first way is the decline may or may not occur, right? So your perception is wrong. Secondly, if you are right, if the decline occurs, you have to figure out when is the time to go back in, <laughs> right? So you're, 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 you're dealing with actual work and you're dealing with extra market timing issue, if you may. So that is pretty much the gist of the memo. So the bottom line is this. The bottom line is we should base our investment decision on our excellence of each asset's potential and we shouldn't sell just because the price has risen or the position has swelled. There can be legitimate reason to limit the size of the position we hold, but there is no way to scientifically calculate those limits should be. That is what makes investing challenging because it comes down to judgment, right? Like like everything else that matters in the investing world. So what is the kind of the take-home message for 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 this, right? I, I think it gave me two take-home messages for this memo. The first one is investing is not trading. Um, if you kind of look at the past, let's say, I think this memo gave an, an example of a 20-year period between 1999 to 2018. The annual return of the S&P 500 was 5.6%. And then your return will only be 2% if you have set out the 10 best day, roughly 0.4% of the trading days. Here's what they mean. 
from that 20 year period, if you miss out on the 10 best performing days in the market, your return was only 2% instead of 5.6%. So what that mean is, you trying to you are not trying to be a trader. You don't want to jump outside and inside of the market a lot. You want to have a long time within the market, as if buying or holding. Like it doesn't really matter because a lot of the market falls. They're not really fatal and they're not really finalized as well. So the second takeaway that I have is. Selling through market timing is not a great decision. And always remember, when you exit a position, you always have to figure out what to do with the money, <laughs> right? So in Howard's view, investing means committing capital to assets based on well-reasoned estimate of their potential and benefiting from the results over long term. And that's it. All right, guys, uh, hopefully you guys like that podcast or like this memo. I really love this uh, particular memo. I think this will go down in history as uh, Howard Marks' best memo ever. Uh, I think everybody needs to think about selling whenever they're buying, whenever they're purchasing an, an um, uh, asset or investing in a certain asset. And then this certainly helped me to have a better uh, understanding of what has been going on. So uh, thank you guys for listening and then share with your friends. I promise the next episode will be uh, Ray Dalio's new book. All right, have a good day, guys.